Over the weekend, this weekend, so many people affected by the fires in the interior of BC, Okanagan, and so much more. Now, hearing stories and seeing pictures are two very different things. One guy gave us both. A guy by the name of Brandon Arnett uh, posted on his Instagram or on his uh, Twitter account or X or whatever the hell, um, and then tagged Global BC in it. That's how we were introduced to Brandon. So, Brandon, you took some videos. You were impressed, I think, uh, awestruck by this fire as you were driving from your um, your lake house back home again we were yeah we we came through late last evening when the road finally opened and so up until that point in through friday evening and saturday throughout the day we were trapped essentially we couldn't get out the fire had engulfed the road at salista past scotch creek and we were stuck we had no route out other than to hop on the lake and potentially head over on the other side at which point we wouldn't have had a vehicle so yeah, we were driving out last evening once the crews had got the road to a point they felt it was safe enough for us to travel. And the devastation wasn't necessarily uh, what I was expecting, but it was all at the same time. It was a really right. ominous feeling kind of kind of driving through the communities where the fire had gone through. I hate speaking to Hollywood in these moments, but quite often that's the only reference point we have, right? We we see these these shows and on on movies and whatever and and then you see it as you drive through it and you're like whoa this is legit this is real and but then you see this one video that you you posted and we'll share these by the way at shiftheads.ca but you know the power line poles are tipped right over hanging over the road as you're sort of squeaking through just goes to show i think um destruction and by definition yeah, there there were power poles that were leaning over the road. There were power poles on the side of the road that were fully engulfed in flames. And then there were some that were still standing, but by a toothpick amount uh, just left at the base of them. And then there were other areas where they were gone completely, but the crossbars were still attached to the wires, but there was nothing. They were just freestanding. So it was it was definitely eerie for sure when you're you're driving underneath of down power lines and beside poles that are just hanging from the wires relying on the poles next to them what do um what do we need to know because i think you know as of this conversation anyway stability has arrived in a lot of these um conversations now that may change but what do we need to know what surprised you the most brandon that that going through this process i mean you you didn't think you'd be stuck you ended up stuck you got through you saw things you've never seen before um take us um take us through what we really need to know that you learned or maybe you're surprised by I think the one thing that we learned from this is that everything changes in a minute. On Friday morning, we woke up, the smoke had socked in. We figured, you know what, now's a great time to go home. We packed up the car, we headed out, and we were told the road is closed. There is no way out. And in that minute, you realize that you're trapped. There is really no way out. And so be prepared that you might just have to bunker down. It's not something that any of us expect that will happen to us. You're right in your early earlier Hollywood reference that you see these things on TV, but until you live it, they're, they're just too surreal to even really relate to, I guess. And so we didn't really have a choice but to bunker down and start coming up with a plan as to what were we going to do if it started to come towards us as, as fast as it had moved into Scotch Creek and then into Salista. What, how did you uh, manage the, the stress there? Um, people deal with stress differently. Um, I like to use compression as a word over the stress. Uh, when that moment happened with, by the way, you're not going anywhere and you are surrounded by trees and a bunch of trees a little ways away are burning. 
How, how did you deal with the compression of that moment? Did you manage the emotions well, or did you full on break down? Cause that's okay too. Yeah. I, I feel like at times I was ready to break down, but we realized that there was just too much planning that needed to happen. And we needed to have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C because originally the plan was to get out and that fell apart. And so what were we going to do? And so I don't think there was time to allow the emotions to get too in the way. I mean, they crop up at times, but we just needed to stay rational and make sure that we were, were keeping ourselves and even some of our neighbors safe, you know, checking in on people. How are you doing? Do you need anything? Uh, and then planning. The other thing that we didn't anticipate happening was that the power would go out. And so by Friday midday, they pulled the fire crews off the fire because it's so aggressive and we're without power now. And so how are we going to hunker down and keep ourselves safe for who knows how long at this point? And so just coming up with those plans as to what we were going to do to keep ourselves safe. So Brandon, you were you were driving through the aftermath of these fires and you saw that for yourself. Has it changed you in a way that um, as a summer cabin dweller that you go about this, you know, maybe a little too complacent that all the services are going to be there and that electricity is going to save you. And, you know, maybe you need to keep gas cans or generators or or those kinds of things around it. Like, is there now a plan for a new shed at the cabin that has more survival stuff? Like, are you changed because of this? Yeah, definitely. You know, we take for granted we're in Anglemont. It has a municipal water system. So, I mean, we're fortunate there that we didn't lose water, but the water started to turn, you know, colors that we didn't think was safe to drink. And so, I mean, I grew up in rural BC. I knew I knew what it's like when the power goes out and, and the well pump doesn't work anymore. But we did take it for granted, honestly. So, making sure that we had sufficient drinking water sure the tap still turned on but we didn't think it was necessarily safe so it's did we have a brita filter that we could at least filter some water before there was potentially no water and so you're digging through and finding your your safety materials um i think we all take for granted our cell phones nowadays and those batteries aren't infinite so what were we going to do to keep those charged because they were effectively our flashlights too we didn't even have flashlights mm. that we could rely on and so yeah, it was all the little things that we started talking about on our drive home once we knew we were safe and we were out, we were back on Highway 1 headed to Kamloops that what are we going to do in the future to make sure that we don't find ourselves in quite the situation that we're in today. It must be quite the shopping list, I would imagine, after uh, all the things you decided that you're going to need. It's eh? going to be, yeah. All right, so Brandon, you drove through it all. Um, I know that you're personally belonging is an important part of work you do just uh, personally uh, let alone in all of this and you you said that you said checking in with your neighbors making sure that everybody's okay so i thought this would be a good opportunity to let you speak to belonging and and how important is it that in times like this maybe a good reminder even for somebody you that takes that stand in life but how important is it that that we make sure that everybody is safe feels safe or at least they know that someone uh, that someone's paying attention and checking in. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and something that I've been doing a lot of reflecting on too is for those of us who are fortunate enough to get to spend some time vacationing in the area, um, you know, that's a real privilege, but this is where a lot of folks live. And there are currently a lot of folks in the area who that is their primary dwelling. It is their primary residence, you know, potentially they've grown up there and they're fighting to save their livelihoods. And so checking in, seeing how we can lend a hand, um, you know, sometimes it's just providing information from afar now that, that those of us who have vacation properties have left to go back to our primary residence, but just checking in and making sure that folks are safe is, I think, one of the best things that we can do right now and not prioritizing our own curiosities of our own situations, of our own vacation properties over 
those of those who live there permanently and are relying on, mm. on trying to save their homes. And buy a flashlight. Yes, buy a flashlight or two, and preferably a wind-up one because, you know, in a little community like that, the only store is the gas station, and they didn't have power either, so you're not going to the gas station to buy batteries for your yeah. flashlight. Well, but cash, that would be another thing you could add to that list, right? Like maybe keep 100 bucks or something in an envelope just in case you have only thing you can do to go buy something from that corner store is go there and give them a fiver, right? Totally. Yeah, we don't think of those things. This is fantastic, Brandon. Thanks for the the randomness of accepting Ryan's phone call when some strange guy calls you and says, hey, can you come on our radio show? And uh, thanks for sharing your experience with us. Appreciate it. Thank you.